This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, it's the great feast of Trinity Sunday today. And last week on Pentecost, I began talking about this wonderful text from the fifth chapter of Paul's letter to the Galatians. A very spiritually practical text dealing with the works of the flesh and then the fruits of the Holy Spirit. What goes wrong with us when the Spirit's not living in us? We live according to the flesh in Paul's language. It just means according to the the ways of sin. When the Holy Spirit comes in, that's what Pentecost is about, is the invasion of the Holy Spirit. He has a sort of expulsive power. He expels the ways of the flesh and causes us to live now in a whole new way, a transformed way. We begin to bear fruit under the influence of the Spirit. And so this week I want to talk about those good fruits. Paul lists them in Galatians chapter 5. Can I urge you to take that text and make it the object of, of some real serious meditation. Ask yourself, as a kind of examination of conscience, which category am I in? <laughs> am I living more according to the flesh? Or can you see in me the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Let me just name them first. It's a lovely list. be good to commit this to memory. Paul says, in contrast to the works of the flesh, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those nine. Very helpful, by the way. When people come to me and they're trying to discern a direction for their life, priesthood, married life, what kind of job should I take? What sort of people should I be around, etc.? I'll often recommend Galatians chapter 5. Take an honest look at those nine qualities. Does this path you're on awaken those in you, fortify those in you? Do you find that you're more like those nine qualities when you take this path as opposed to that path? So let's look now at each one, however briefly. It could be a, a whole course in spirituality. How important that the first fruit that Paul mentions is love. Jesus himself said, by this all people will know that you are are my disciples, if you love one another. This is very simple. It's a very basic axiom of the spiritual life, because love is what the Holy Spirit is. The Spirit is the love between the Father and the Son. And love, as I've said a thousand times, is not an emotion primarily. 
Rather, it is willing the good of the other and then doing something about it. Simple to say, isn't it? But man, is it hard to live. To love is to will the good of the other and then do something about it. It's to break free of the black hole of one's own egotism that draws everything into the self. Love has an opposite force. It goes out from the ego. Really wanting what is best for others and not for oneself transforms your whole way of being. Do you wake up in the morning and wonder how you can get the most out of the day? Or do you wonder how you can express concern for someone else that day? Think about that as an examination of conscience. When you wake up in the morning, what are you thinking? Well, what's in it for me today? What can I get? What fame or pleasure or power or money can I get today? Or do you say, what opportunity will I have today to love? Again, it's got to show up in action because love is not just a velleity or a mere interior conviction. It has to show up in action. Love is something that you do, and it's the principal fruit of the Holy Spirit. Next, Paul speaks of joy. The Greek word he uses here is kara. It's derived from charis, meaning grace. It signals to us something very important, namely that he's not talking about emotional satisfaction or giddiness or even feeling good when he talks about joy. The joy he's describing has to do with being connected to the source of grace, being connected to God, which gives us, no matter what the circumstances of our life, a sense of peace. No storm can shake my inmost calm, while to that rock I'm clinging. From the lovely uh, Quaker uh, hymn. That's the joy Paul's talking about. Being in the center of the wheel of fortune. I've spoken of that before. As the wheel of fortune turns round and round. Sometimes I'm up, sometimes I'm down. I'm rooted in the center of the wheel. In the Christ who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's the stance of joy. Think of Mother Teresa. Everyone ever met Mother Teresa testifies to her joy. But now we know from her diaries and letters what tremendous psychological suffering she went through. Tremendous anxiety, depression, fear. The joy that is a fruit of the Holy Spirit is not primarily psychological well-being. It's a much deeper peace that comes from connection to God. That's why, relatedly, now the third fruit of the Spirit is peace, a rene in Paul's Greek. But for any biblical Jew, that word is so important because it translates the Hebrew shalom, doesn't it? Shalom, universal well being. What God has wanted for his people from the beginning. Jesus says to his disciples after the resurrection, Shalom, peace. That's why peace runs like a, like a refrain through much of the church's liturgical life. And as the saying has it, correctly enough, peace is not simply the absence of war, but the presence of justice. 
or of right relationship. When God is unambiguously the center of your life, when you found friendship with God, you find this peace, this balance, this equilibrium, this well-being. Here my old image of the rose window is opposite. When Christ is the center, clearly, without competition, then everything else in your life falls into harmonious balance around that center. That's the peace, shalom, that's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. The next fruit of the Spirit that Paul mentions is patience. Long-suffering in that beautiful King James rendering. We saw last week some of the principal marks of the flesh are dissension, rivalry, jealousy, division. What are these but the signs of the absence of patience? When we're easily offended, when we nurse grudges, we go for long periods without speaking to those who've harmed us, we're displaying a lack of patience. See, I see why. Because in all those cases, we're much more preoccupied with our ego and protecting our ego, defending it, than we are with establishing relationship. To be patient is to bear with one another. It's to forgive. It's to see things from the other person's perspective. Why? Because you're interested primarily in love, which is willing the good of the other. One of the spiritual works of mercy in the tradition of the church is bearing patiently the troublesome. It's a lovely phrase, isn't it? We all know what it means. In the course of our lives, probably in the course of every day, we come across people who are troublesome to us. They're, they're difficult. They're, they're cantankerous. They're boring. They're just hard to be with. Well, what's the egotistic thing to do is run away from them, I suppose, is the least aggressive, but be aggressive toward them. Be difficult back to them. Make their lives even more unpleasant. But a fruit of the Spirit is patience or long-suffering, bearing patiently the troublesome. Keep in mind, too, friends, that patience comes into play when we are tested by God. Now, don't think of God as capricious here. It's not a question of that, like God's some weird uh, pasha who's sending us these you know, things to, to see what we do. No, no, every major figure in the Bible undergoes tests. Why? God tries us as gold is tested in the fire. Now, whether it's a physical suffering, it's a psychological suffering, maybe it's being unfairly attacked, whatever it is, these sufferings can purify us and bring us into closer conformity with Christ crucified. We need patience to bear them. Next, Paul speaks of generosity. How wonderful, how simple. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is generosity, which is a willingness to give. God can be characterized as the one who gives. He's like the sun that shines on the good and the bad alike. And so the one who's like God, 
the one who has the Holy Spirit is marked by this generosity, by giving. She says, yes, easily and without hesitation. When asked, the generous person doesn't count the cost. She doesn't measure out her life in coffee spoons, as T.S. Eliot put it so memorably. Next, we find faithfulness. Gosh, how important that is, friends, as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. People are largely defined by the central commitment they make to each other. Children tend to live in a self-contained space. I mean, preoccupied with their own pleasure and so on. Childish adults are the same way. But real men and real women find themselves in the measure that they commit themselves to another in love. It could be the commitment of marriage, the commitment of priesthood, commitment to one's country, whatever it is. But that's when you find yourself in a mature way, when you're willing to give yourself away. And so a really good spiritual question to ask, how faithful are we to our fundamental commitments? People who move outside the ambit of the Holy Spirit are unfaithful, unreliable, vacillating in their commitments. John Paul said to seminarians many years ago, the God who made you say yes will not make you say no. The same can be said to any married couple. Well, friends, how do you get the Holy Spirit? You can't control it. It blows where it wills. You can't manipulate the Holy Spirit through your actions and ritual behaviors. You can't habituate yourself to receive him the way you can with the cardinal virtues. Listen, you have to ask. You have to ask. You have to ask. Come, Holy Spirit, come. You have to participate in the sacraments of the church, especially confession, mass, and the Eucharist. That's why on these great feasts, Pentecost and Trinity, we say, come, Holy Spirit, come and fill the hearts of your faithful. And God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.